I love that shit. Smoke weed every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Anime Club After Dark, the podcast that delves into all things anime, manga, and otaku culture related. I'm your host, Alex, but you can call me Senpai, and join me tonight, I just have our poser extraordinaire, Nitai. Hello, hello, hello. You ready to talk hello, about more hello, anime hello. girls? <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, so, Nitai. Yes. It's time. It, uh, it's that time of the month again. Yeah, we've we, we finally gotten to it. So if you've been with us you know, from the start of Natai and I's journey through the Monogatria series, you knew this point was coming. We have finally gotten the second season. The big boy. The the big the biggest of boys in, in the Monogatria series. A lot of people, myself included, are kind of in agreement that this is where the Monogatria series peaked, at least for the anime. Interesting take. Okay. I, I, there's a lot of people that say that the end of this season is the best that the Monogatari has to offer. Okay. But that ending is quite a long way from us. <laughs> that That is. So, yeah, tonight you and I, as we have decided to split second season into three parts, this is obviously part one of our second season spoiler cast. It will cover the first two story arcs of second season, that being Nekomonogatari White and Kabuki Monogatari. Um, so nine total episodes. Yeah, and just to clarify why, and uh, when we recorded the Neko Black spoiler cast and realized we talked about four episodes for nearly an hour, we realized that Talking about how many arcs second season has, like five in this 20 Five years. different story arcs. Yeah, we realized, okay, this is not, we, we can't do that in only one recording. So, uh, yeah, we're splitting it up because there's just that much yeah. to talk about. It's That's one gotcha for you. There is. <laughs> there is. There is. So let's let's hop into it. Um, mm-hmm. So obviously a lot of the stuff is the same as the others. It's obviously still produced by Studio Shaft. You have uh, Tomoyuki Itamura. Uh, coming back as episode director again under chief direction of Akiyuki Shimpo, the goat. Yes. Still got character designs by again the goat of Akio Watanabe and music composed by the goat <laughs> Satoru Kosaki. Special uh, shout outs. There's a lot of goats. Yeah, a lot of goats in this uh, in this goat farm uh, called Shaft. Special. Ah. Oh my god! Special shout outs for uh, the soundtrack uh, specifically for. The first arc we're going to talk about, Tsubasa Tiger, it's personally one of my favorites of the entire series. I really Hmm. like that soundtrack. And also, a little bit of a different uh, twist on Monogatari. Typically, there's a new ED with each um, story arc. For the first two story arcs of second season... You're thinking about OP. For Bakke, it was the same ED. But, okay, it's true. Mm. (laughs) Sorry, keep going. Monogatari is weird with its OPs and EDs. Um... But for this, for the first two story arcs of second season, we have the exact same ED. It's I Know Utae by uh, Luna Haruna. And you and I were talking about this before we started. Like, um, I think both of us are in agreement. The song is, is lovely. Yeah, the song is good. Um, the visuals are a bit of a um, an acquired taste, I think. I think the visuals are, are fine. Like I we before we started recording, we, we talked about the art style of the EDs for most of the Monogatari mm-hmm. series, and it's very different. It's very just very different. Mm-hmm. But I do like it. I really like the aesthetics they were going for. With like this sort of like almost paperclip sort of art style or something. It's very hard for me to describe it. Um, the first iteration of this ED for the first arc is just okay. Don't have much to say about it, but mm-hmm. I did enjoy like the 
visuals for the ED in the second arc, Kabuki Monogatari. Um, just as a bit yeah. more going on in there, but yeah, it's it's good. Yeah, I don't know. For some people, I can understand why they don't like the visuals of of the Monogatari EDs, though. Mm. Um, particularly with the style they went with for like the first half uh, visuals for this ED. Let's get into uh, the first story arc, which is Subasa Tiger. Yeah, um, and it's actually. Well, aside from the final story arc of this season, it's the longest one we're going to do, obviously, here, because the next, what, three story arcs are only four episodes long each. Uh, this one is five. The last story arc of the second season is like six episodes, I think, though. I, yeah, I believe six episodes yeah. is, is Hitagi End, yeah. But we got another another story arc focused on Hanakawa. Uh, some would say the best story arc focused on Hanakawa. I completely because agree with that for statement. The, it is the best yeah, story arc because focused on Hanagawa. For the first time in the series, we're going outside of Aragi's perspective, and Hanakawa is the storyteller this time. Yeah, this is the first of two instances in second season where uh, Koyomi Aradagi is not the narrator of the story. Yeah, it's it's really cool. I really like this different, like new direction. Because throughout mm-hmm. most of the series, we viewed everything through Aragi's eyes. And we heard his thoughts and monologues about everything. And it's just mm-hmm. really, really cool to like, okay, let's take that same format, but put that into a different character. And now we see everything through Hanekawa's eyes, uh, which is very important. It's also interesting, at least in, in my opinion, mm. because you also get to see how other characters view Koyomi himself. Like, yeah, obviously, Koyomi exactly. has this idea in his head how people view him. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting to see how it's different when other people are narrating the story. And we're going to loop, loop back around to that thought when we get to the climax of this arc, because it's very much about how Hanakawa views Aragi. And yeah, it's, mm-hmm. it's super important that we do see everything for, through eyes, because this this arc is very much sort of like I hate using that word but I think it's kind of appropriate deconstructing Hanakawa as a character and really figuring out like her flaws and actually what's going on with her and where she's headed in the future like where she what she uh, wants to be careful to there Ryan Johnson <laughs> oh my god here we go be, be careful with that word <laughs> <laughs> fuck you but anyway um, yeah before we actually get too deep into this, um, the, the OP for um, this particular story arc is Chocolate Insomnia, which is sung by Yui Horie, the voice actor behind Hanakawa. So I, I, I love this OP. It's so, that's, that's a lovely OP. This is a very fun it is. OP. It is. It's fun, and it, it's like, so the last OP we got, which was also for, you know, a Hanakawa-centric story arc, yeah. was it seemed heavy. Like the the visuals and the song just made the story arc seem heavy, which it was. It was very me melancholic. Yes, and then you have this, which seems way more like the the music seems and the visuals too seem way more hopeful and liberating, and it's almost like well, which we find out later, you're gonna witness Hanakawa go through some kind of very liberating thing. Yeah, like you literally see her spread her wings. Uh, hey, get it? Tsubasa, wings, it's her name. Yeah. And you like, will see yeah. her spreading her wings and like sort of just like uh, to some extent like grow up. And this arc is about like her growing up to some extent. But yeah, it's a really yeah. good OP. It's one of my favorites. Yeah. Also uh, worth noting that there are three new characters introduced in this story mm. arc, um, that is, we, we get Gaian for the first time, who is both Meme and Kaiki's senpai from college. And Yuz, and 
And uh, 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 Kagenui is senpai, right? Yes, yes. Um, we also get episode, and we get when when episode is introduced, we get a quick flash back to uh, a pivotal event in Kizu Monogatari, which we will get to when we get to that part. Mm-hmm. Um, and we also get to see Koyomi and um, the fire sister's, sister's mom. Yeah, Mamaragi makes her Mamaragi one of. I think this is her only time we see her in the show. It's the only time we see her in the anime, for sure. Yeah. At least thus far. Yeah, thus far. <clears throat> cough, cough, shaft. Cough, mm. cough. <laughs> uh, but yeah. And the events of this story arc take place immediately after the events of Nise Monogatari, which I know a lot of people were probably a little confused about the first time they probably saw this. They might have assumed that this took place after the events of um, Neko Black, and which they don't. Yeah, it's very confusing, but it's like we ju- we just checked. We we, we we did our homework. So Nisei ended up, uh, Nisei happened during the end of July, and now we're in August twenty first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we jumped yeah. a month ahead uh, to August. Yeah, um, and it's also worth pointing out, and and this will become apparent as we talk about um, these different story arcs. That the story arcs are not presented in the order they actually happen. Um, there are things going on behind the scenes and like this crazy, crazy shit that kind of weaves together a larger story by the end of the season. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, it's fucking awesome. Um, yeah. Episode one of Subasa Tiger. Um, like you said, it takes place on August 21st. We find out that the narrator of this arc is, um, is Hanakawa and it starts out with, essentially this monologue about what Hanakawa thinks of herself and her quote unquote family situation. Um, she obviously doesn't think very highly of herself. No, no, not at all. And it's also interesting to think, to see that like we saw her family as an outside with an outside perspective from our ruggy, right in the previous arc. And now mm-hmm. we get to see it from her point of view. She wakes up in the morning on her mattress in the living room, just there. And then she, she, she comments on how much like, as much as this is a family house, every there's so many. You, there's so many. Like everyone cooks their own meal at the house. No one's cooking for each other, and they're sort of all to themselves. And that bleeds into her perspective, like how she views herself. That she doesn't view herself as a saint. She even says that, and mm-hmm. she because. Back in Tsubasa family, she even said when like there was the event of her father sort of slapping her, and she to some extent said that maybe it's because of her, it's her fault that it happened. So we continue that same thread to some extent. Yeah, and then you know, kind of going on from that, she's mm-hmm. on her way to school. I guess this is the, since she's supposed to be the first day of the second semester of their senior year. Yeah, they talk about like the ceremony, like opening ceremony of the term or something. Yeah, like she's that. going to the opening ceremony, and on the way there. She runs into Hachikuchi, which is back. That, that it's it's funny how like how Nisiriusin writes this story because now whenever a character shows up, you sort of already can sort of guess where the story is heading because oh, Hanakawa is meeting up with Hachikuchi. Maybe this is something about her being lost. Okay, I like how we can toy with that a bit because he has all of these like elements established already, right? Yeah, um, and you, this is the first time we see Hachikuji without her backpack, and she specifically says that she left it at Koyomi's house, 
and she's trying to go back to get it. Now, in the business, boys and girls, we call this foreshadowing. <laughs> I mean, in the business, we call that foreshadowing, but then Hachikuji ends the conversation, oh, well, that will happen next arc that is about to me. It's like, oh, okay, nice. I, yes, I love the fact that they break the fourth wall to say this. It's so too. good. It's so fucking good. And then Ankawa is like, please oh. stop foreshadowing like that. <laughs> yeah. I like it's not exchange. only like it's not only like symbolic foreshadowing it's literal literal foreshadowing because the characters themselves acknowledge that this is going to be addressed next time mm-hmm. and <laughs> i love that shit and after she meets her and like it's established that koyomi is up to something because they don't know like something's going on over there uh oh, there's a big tiger out of nowhere it just appears yeah just a big fuck off tiger just appears out of nowhere tiger. and it's like stares at her and 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 like Obviously, we as the audience can see it, but it's also shown that Hanakawa can see it yeah. and, and acknowledges its existence. I love the harsh colors the scene changes to when that happens. Like, it's very trippy. I do too. You know what it reminds me of? I mean, obviously, this happened after Monogatari, but you know how in um, JoJo's Part 4, when the um, the background art changes to these really, like, off-kilter colors oh, when the fights start? Oh, right, Yeah. I, I love that, and it, it reminds me so much of that. I don't know if if part four, if, if David Productions was borrowing a little bit of what Shaft did with, with this, but it, it's very similar how that effect is. Yeah, it, it, it adds to the trippiness of the scene, which is really cool. It does. But then it just appears, and it's like, okay. Yeah, it just kind of appears and, and walks off. Um, and obviously Hanakawa is a little bit um, perturbed by this, I guess you could say. Mm. But then she heads back uh, to but school. But she goes to school anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and meets up with um, with Itagi, and that th- that conversation that they have about how Koyomi has eventually, well, essentially saved both of them, she saved Hanakawa at least twice now, mm-hmm. um, and how that that conversation between them is so well written, like yeah, just the, it's it, so mature. It's two people who who have an enormous amount of respect for this one person one uh, on in Itagi's case it's because she's in love with him and they're they're dating and you know this is her boyfriend mm-hmm. and with Hanakawa it's someone that we obviously know from previous arcs that she is still in love with him right yeah and she still has feelings for him but she knows that she can't have him mm-hmm. but it's it's I like how and this goes like we'll see that throughout this arc but their relationship is very is very interesting to me because I love how, how mature they are about this whole like this whole thing this whole like relationship that they have with each other mm-hmm. it's a it's yeah. a really cool conversation between the two and then and Hitagi's like you know your biggest problem is that you have a problem asking for help which is true like she tries to take on everything herself and I do wonder if that's because she comes from this household where n- number one she's expected to do everything herself because everyone is expected to do everything themselves and number two because let, let's be honest she's kind of in an abusive relationship with her family yeah very much so but it's also interesting that Hitagi tells her that because she has that perspective of actually actually asking someone to help like she with her past we know that like she had to deal with everything sort of by herself and whenever she did ask for help she got conned whether it's by kaiki or other people like him Uh, but then when she did reach out to koyomi eventually after he sort of you know being a rag and all that just like full-on took her to oshino and tried to help her when she did finally reach out to help like she didn't manage to like 
get her shit together and come like get over her trauma, right? So it's mm-hmm. I, I like that like something that that's like I wanted to say that, but something that's like I love about second season. It feels like a quote unquote sequel to Bucky Monogatari, and you see that because they take all the mm. relationship and history that we have with these characters and build on that. And we said in this conversation mm-hmm. as well, like Hitagi has overcome her trauma to some extent. She's still working on it, but she's like seeing that Hanako is also going through something not great. And she's yeah. like, you can't ask for help. Them, it's fine. And, and seeing them bond on that level in a very mature way, I'd like to say, like they, they don't they don't talk to each other like they're adolescents. They actually talk to each other like they're mature, responsible adults who have both realized that, wow, we might have really fucked up lives. Mm hmm. But it's okay, because if something happens, we can just ask for help from our friends and people we care about and trust, and that's fu- that's totally okay. And I love how that cycles back to what Meme told Koyomi in the very first fucking episode of Bakemonogatari. Yeah, because... That it's okay to ask for help, but ultimately you have to let people save themselves. Yeah. Yeah, it's really... It's, 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 that, it's, it's really, really interesting. And I love uh, that. But yeah, but then after that conversation, um, Hanekawa's house is on fire, so that's not good. <laughs> yeah, I, I like how this is played off, too. Like, they look out the window, and, and Hanekawa's like, oh, that's my house. <laughs> this and then is you fine. just immediately jump cut to her standing right in front of the ruined house. This is fine. <laughs> this is fine. It is literally just the personification of the this is fine meme. Very much. Um, and, like, I love that... that so obviously her family has to go find a new place to live, at least until the house is rebuilt, right? So mm-hmm. they're going to go rent somewhere. And she's like, well, until you find somewhere to rent, I'm going to go stay at a friend's house. That's what she tells her quote-unquote parents. And but they then. just you know, <laughs> believe her at face value. And instead of actually going to someone's house, she goes to the abandoned cram school where Meme used to hang out. Because she has some history with that cram school from like... Events we'll see in Kizu, and of course, like her knowing the meme is there and all of that used to be there. And that again, it goes into like showing like we're getting clips of like something's off with Hanakawa again, right? Because like, mm-hmm. what kind of an adult just go like a kid just goes to like a burned down school, going to sleep there because your house got like yeah. fucking burned down? It's like, and and knowing what we know about Hanakawa, your thoughts immediately go to Black Hanakawa, right? Like, this has obviously got to be creating a bunch of stress for her. Like, where's the cat going to come out at? And we'll get and to that. throughout the course of this, there's a couple of chapters that they point out get skipped, and you're wondering, like, what's going on here? <laughs> um, but um, but Hitagi finds out scenes. what she's doing. Yeah. yeah. It is. Itagi Ita- finds out what she's doing and goes to the cram school and actually just literally slaps some sense into her. And that, goes, that scene was really good. It's it's really good. And it goes back to it again. She's like, you dumbass, just ask. I, like, you could just stay at my place. What's wrong with you? Um, yeah. Which then leads to, like, what, some of my favorite scenes in this entire arc is just Itagi and Anakawa talking to each other. And we get a lot of that going forward. Yeah. Because now she's moved to Itagi's place. Yeah, she goes to Itagi's place, and there's a lot of just like random, seemingly random conversations that go on between them. And then the the like the, the stinger question that gets asked at the very end of this episode mm. is, um, well, obviously Itagi's also playing with Hanakawa, trying to get her to go shower with her. Um, <laughs> but just Itagi um, things. She very point. She she very point blankly asks Hanakawa, "Are you still in love with Koyomi?" Mm-hmm. Like. 
it, the way she says it, it's almost as if like she's trying really hard to figure out a way to make this seem natural, but she can't. Um, and then Hanakawa answers her back very uh, equally, I would say, point blankly, and says, "Yeah, I'm still in love with him." It's such a great way to end the episode, and I love that how yeah. because if you remember back in in uh, when was it? I think either at the end of Bake, we had another instance of that in Nisei where we see how. Senjo Gahara is kind of scared of Anakawa because like there's some mm-hmm. scenes where she's like she she's very much like oh yeah I know that if Anakawa would really try maybe she could take away Aragi from me like she was very mm-hmm. much she, for the longest time she felt threatened by her she was like it, because she thought that the, she would that Anakawa would be with Aragi and now we're in like a different yeah. point of, of time where it's like they're again very maturely just talking about this and I love that. Like, there's no, there's no bullshit about it, right? Yeah, it's very, very cool. Yeah. And then you get to episode two, and my god, that shower scene! Holy <laughs> fuck! So this is where most Holy of the budget went shit. to. <laughs> yeah, this is where the whole budget of this arc went to. I can guarantee you that. Holy shit! The animation in that shower scene is god tier. Watching it on a big television just feels so weird to me. Lewd very very lewd but it's like, like i'm not I, I, i'm not gonna I, I, I i'm, I'm okay with funny. that i find it funny that so many people think that they actually banged in that shower <laughs> i mean i don't think they went that far but it's pretty it's very touchy they they were really touchy it's, with each it's, other it's it's very touchy feely i i can definitely think that they might have done a little something together but i don't think they actually had sex no, I don't think so either. But it's it's someone in chat must be really proud of himself for like for pulling this off. He's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. got him. <laughs> I can just imagine uh, Akiyuki Shimba being like, "This is what I'm going to be remembered for. This is my I legacy." Just Hanako's tits being rubbed by Itagi. <laughs> yeah. One one day, a hundred years from now, this is what they're going to bring up when they talk about my work. <laughs> I'm also, okay one tidbit that happens, like, it's sort of the beginning of the episode. Hanakawa. A tidbit, maybe? <sighs> anyway. <laughs> when, so Hanakawa is sort of like a going, like, there's a monologue where she talks about when she sort of fell in love with Aragi. And she mentions something about how in the past, like, there was this turning point for him that led to him being mm-hmm. alone at the beginning of the school year. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we don't really know much about yet because that happened in Kizu. But it's interesting how she talks about how there was a turning point. Um, because they throw this is called foreshadowing, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, because that's like an that's like one bit of information about Aragi we don't know much about yet, like his past, mm-hmm. like what happened to him then. But they every now and then it'll be like, oh, something happened. It's like okay, so. Yeah, just thought might 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 remind uh, might remind about this because it's also funny how like anytime it's brought up, it just, it is brought up in that sense like something happened and then people move on from it, <clears throat> and it's like it obviously seems like it was a traumatic experience because people tend not to dwell on it when they bring it up. Yeah, and it seems like just a lot of people weren't really aware because again, by the beginning of the story, Aragi is sort of by himself. Um, I mean, in Bake he has Hanakawa, and that's it. And then slowly he meets more and more people. Uh, but it's like yeah. not not too many people know about his past. What happened there? 
But yeah, that's really... And then after the shower scene, which is godly, um, we have another really long span of dialogue between Hanakawa and Hitagi. Yeah. Where <clears throat> during this, um, this dialogue, it's pretty much revealed that Hanakawa hasn't matured in the same way that Hitagi has mm-hmm. over, like, you know, the stuff that's happened to her. She She hasn't really mentally and emotionally faced it in the same way Hitagi has. And that's why Hitagi has grown the way she has. And Hanakawa hasn't Hanakawa is still that very, I I hesitate to use the word naive, but that's how it's sort of presented to her Mm. when Hitagi is talking about it. Like she will always get taken advantage of by people because she always sees the good in people. And also like, because she like, they delve more like into detail about it in an upcoming conversation, but she's sort of like, like every the the at the at the begin at the previous episode, the tiger calls her. Uh, what was it like? Um, um, fuck. What was the quote? Something about her being pure white, right? Yeah. Or something like that. Because there, there's like this sort of like this. The, there's like an aspect of her which is sort of too pure. She begins this arc saying she's not a saint or anything, and then when people say saying how she's like pure white, it doesn't necessarily mean she's good but there's something about it that is like not right you know it means i I always interpreted that as like she's too pure for a world that will chew her up and spit her out if it if she lets it but it's sort of almost by her own design right like it is it is because of her refusal because of her refusal to you know to face with the yeah yeah to deal with the traumas of her past yeah and her own trauma, and, right and now. the traumas of her present and with her, her present, family exactly. situation like, too. I mean, in the previous arc, like her stress, her stress just like took shape in the form of Black Hanakawa, right? And she mm-hmm. didn't like she didn't face that stress. It's not really she doesn't feel that stress anymore because that's it's not her. It's it became an apparition, you know. And yeah, yeah, that whole struggle is something that she hasn't overcome. And I love, I love how in Nisei you sort of had that sort of like. When you see Hanukkah for the first time, she she gets a haircut, her haircut. She sort of acts like she's a bit different, but at the end of the day, she hasn't changed. And then you get to this arc, and she talks about Hitagi, how she cut her hair, how <clears throat> she sees her, and she's like, "Fuck, she has matured. She has changed. She has actually faced her issues, her flaws, and she's mm-hmm. become more mature of that." And she's like, even though she's quote unquote her like rival in the sense because she dates Aragi and, and Hanukkah still loves him. She's like, I can't hate her for her because she's like the more mature person. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even, even something as simple as saying good night, which she admits is the first time that anyone's ever said that to her, mm. um, which like hell that, whew, that, 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 I that moment took me being surprise. in a family that does that. Yeah. It's like good. It's like, gee, I, I I love this. Like episode if you think so your much. family is bad, at least they might say good night to you from time to time. Now that whole topic of her being pure white that goes again in like that comes up again in the next scene where we talk about like uh, they eat dinner together and they sort of like like the food. It's funny how this arc talks about food so much, but I love how like in this uh, scene they t- they eat dinner together and they sort of talk about food. And Hitagi is like, oh, so you like this food? She's like, yeah, yeah, we like the same type of food. And then Hitagi is like, I guess we have similar taste in food and men. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, but then the halfway point of this episode, um, Black Hanakawa appears and we find out why the chapters keep getting skipped. 
because those chapters that are skipped are the times when Black Hanukkah was coming out and doing her deeds. The pussy is back. The pussy is back, <laughs> bitch. Um, but yeah, so she just kind of goes out and she finds a tiger. Black Hanukkah goes and finds a tiger, and she's like, "It's like, bitch, don't don't hurt my master. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll fuck you up. I'll fuck you up." And it's it seems that like Black Hanukkah is sort of like I mean even it's I like how she is presented a much more positive light because honestly it's she's probably not that different from the previous arc because again that also then she tried to help Hanukkah so mm-hmm. now we get her in a much more positive light but it seems she has changed a bit. It's also worth mentioning that when um, Black Hanukkah goes back to uh, Hitagi's place. Hitagi's actually awake and meets Black Hanakawa for what I assume is the first time uh, because Black Hanakawa seems shocked that Hitagi sees her and doesn't like immediately recoil. Um, what a badass is like shaking her hand even though she has the like energy drain. <laughs> yeah, right? I love that scene. I love that scene too. Um, and then we get that whole um, that whole monologue that, that Hanakawa has like the bland taste meaning that she has no real preferences yeah and And see again we talk about that food again again yeah and and that quote which I think relates really well to life to have something to detest is as important to have something to love yeah it it goes like so so what they so they go through like all these type of food question Itagi and I love how it's presented how Itagi changes like costume she's like so how do you like your coffee with sugar or without sugar how do you like like yeah. this and that like she asks her to see like what her preferences is, are and Hanekawa is always like replying with the most like neutral neutral sort of stance ever right yeah. very like a very bland yeah. taste and it goes to show like huh she she doesn't she doesn't mind anything because nothing is really like she doesn't dislike anything and again that quote is which leads so good well i was gonna say which leads to (coughs) excuse me which leads to like the overall question of this uh this arc does hanakawa actually love koyomi or does she love her idea of koyomi does she actually love anything does she it's it's very interesting because it's it's goes into like so when when you first uh, meet Anikawa, it, she it's an archetype right it's 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 sort of an archetype of a character mm-hmm. and i love how this arc from beginning to end and we go and we'll see more examples that sort of tear down this sort of archetype and we get to see her mm-hmm. as the person she is beyond that archetype it's so good i love it it is um and then we get to episode three which uh, we have uh, Hitagi relating back to Hanakawa, something that she's already said that if you're too pure white, you gotta be dull, which is which is referenced in her taste. Yeah, that she said outlined in the previous episode, like her tastes are dull. And then she's like, I guess our tastes in food aren't too, aren't so similar after all. Sort of disappointedly, I love that. Yeah, I know the way she says it. She seems so disappointed. <laughs> um. And then you have that whole thing with Hanakawa comparing herself to Araragi, which which goes to show her mental state, right? Like, she's comparing herself to this idea that she has in her head of what Aragi is. Because and she's never going to compare to it, no matter how hard she tries. Because they talk about her being dull, and it comes up in this conversation where she's like, so she's like, they, they, she thinks to herself, okay, like... A situation like when she 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 remembers back to the time when she buried that cat and uh, the dead cat right, 
when she mm-hmm. saw saw the body, she just like, oh, I'll go and bury it because she sort of automatically thought that's the correct thing to do or something like that. But when Aragi does it, it he's like, she she comments how he'll just like complain all the time and just mutter to himself, but he'll do it because he's good. Mm-hmm. He's just not he's not fake about it, right? He's just being him, yeah, right. And she's starting to question yeah. herself. Am I just being like maybe it is just me being dull and doing what's expected of me? Maybe it's really yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a great it's a great thing. It's 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 fun to watch that kind of stuff. And then we meet Kanbaru again. Yes, and then Kanbaru appears. She's grown out her hair in a tie. She's got she's getting a reverse Nisu Eason haircut, just so she can get a Nisu Eason haircut again. <laughs> Hmm, I wonder when that'll happen. We call this foreshadowing, boys and girls. <laughs> Is this the name of this episode? We call this foreshadowing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's even more foreshadowing because um, Kavru says that she's gotten a call from Koyomi, right? And I, we haven't seen Koyomi even once so this far. entire episode. Yeah. This entire Yeah. And obviously some stuff's going on in the background with him. It's why he wasn't at school. It's why, you know, he says that he can't help currently. And yeah, something's up in the background. Boys and girls. Um, and obviously Hanakawa is, is going back to school. She took a couple of days off because of what happened with the house burning down. Um, and then Hitagi realizes that she needs an actual place to stay that has like room for her. Because as much as Hitagi is seemingly okay with having Hanakawa there, obviously she doesn't have room for him. Because her and her father are living in this very small they never say apartment, but it seems like one. Yeah, it's. It, I think it's supposed to be an, like a small apartment. The That's only... what I always say, but they never say apartment. <laughs> Speaking anyway. of which, I love how how like Itagi devises a plan so she could sleep together with Hanakawa. <laughs> I know. I <laughs> love it. I can't for, blame her for Aragi's benefit, of course. For Aragi's benefit, of course. <laughs> um, but no, we get the Fire Sisters. I love the exchange between Itagi and Karen. How Itagi shows up at, at the Aragi household and she's like, oh, Aragi isn't here. And she's sort of like is thinking out loud about, oh, poor Anakawa, like being by herself after the fire, sort of guilting Karen to thinking, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should offer, uh, uh, offer Anakawa to stay at our place. And then we see the fire sisters talking to Anakawa. It's like, hey, maybe you should come over to us. Yeah, I also like how Karen, like, legitimately, very sarcastically plays off the fact that she knew Hanakawa's house had burned down. Like, oh, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm a paragon of this neighborhood. And, and it goes back to the, that whole, like, thing that she talked about previously, where she's like, Hanakawa didn't ask anyone for help. It's Hitagi approached the Fire Sisters about helping Hanakawa. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, shit, like... All these people are willing to help me. Maybe I should realize that, that it's okay to like reach out and to ask. ask for help. Yeah, it's funny because that—that's kind of. A, I won't say it's a universal thing, but it's something that a lot of people I think struggle with, like asking for help. I, so I think it's a very relatable thing. Yeah, yeah, for, for especially sure. younger people. Younger people seem to have a really great difficulty asking for help. Because sometimes you feel like you are trapped by yourself in a situation and you don't realize that it's okay to, like, like no matter how dire it seems, like, there, there is some, someone out there who wants to who wants to see you, like, be, like, be okay, right? And be... Yeah, well, not only that, there's probably someone out there who is not only willing to help you, is 
they're also willing to help you and they've gone through something similar or exactly the same as what you've gone yeah. through. So they're in a position to know how to help you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and Hanekawa do, doesn't realize that. And it, and it's like, she's sort of like shocked at the moment where, where Karen tell, tells Hanekawa, it's like, I was waiting for you to approach me. And Hanekawa's like, oh, yeah. fuck. It's like, it's the same with Hitagi. Hitagi was, was waiting for Hanekawa to ask for help. And that's okay. Like, yeah. she was like, oh, shit, I could, why didn't I just say something? Right. We also get the very first mention of uh, the Araragi parents. Uh, apparently, they're both police. FBI, open up. So, uh, <laughs> FBI, open up. Uh, ironic, huh? Mm-hmm. Um, anyway. Um, and now, now Anakawa is like moved to Araragi's, uh, Araragi's household and. She's taking another shower with the girls because, of course, of course, why not? Because, of course, I mean, any any chance to get Kara naked, right? Yeah, I mean, why not, I guess. <laughs> it's. I find it so funny that she's supposed to be, like, this young, like, middle school-aged girl, but yet she looks like an adult. Like, I mean, she looks like a, definitely like a high school girl. She doesn't look like she's in, in middle school. Yeah, yeah. I guess, I don't, I don't disagree, I guess. Any uh, chance to get her naked, I guess. And anyway, and then we cut to another scene of uh, Black Hanakawa at night, uh, meeting Shinobu, actually. Yes. And she's by herself. Meeting Shinobu, who has been separated from Koyomi for the first time since, well, a while. Yeah, that scene, I, I love how it's shot, how <laughs> Shinobu is from the ceiling. is like, uh, she's like standing on the ceiling or whatever. Um but then the camera sort of plays with that perspective from yeah. time to time. Like maybe, maybe if you weren't such a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> also, I love, I love how the how when they talk. So she was like, "Oh, you're so you're fine now." And then see, she sort of, uh, sort of like thinks the logic behind it is like Terminator versus Terminator Two. <laughs> Yeah, I love that reference. That by reference the way. is so good. She's like, "Oh, you used to be bad, but now you're okay. You're like working with us, okay? <laughs> sure." But yeah, and then this episode ends with them going to the cram school together um, because that's where Shinobu believes that Koyomi is because he was going to meet Kamburu at the cram school, and they get there and they find out that it's been burned down. Hmm. The plot thickens. <laughs> So this brings us to episode four. Yeah. And Hanakawa actually realizes that she's turning into black Hanakawa again because of all the stress that she's under. She's like, sees like there's dirt under her fingernails and under her feet. And like, I I love how she was like, oh, shit. Because she puts the clues together. Yeah. I I, I like that part. Yeah. And then we get that, that, um, that that scene where uh, Tsukihi is like, I assume it's Tsukihi, yelling uh, through the door to... Uh, Koyomi's room which she's staying in that you know it's time for breakfast we always eat breakfast together every day and she thinks back to Koyomi always told me that his sisters woke him up every day and he hated it I would love this shit and uh, I love how it gives context to all the, these scenes in Bake where you see like it cuts to Koyomi in, in, like in his bed and just the farces are trying to wake him up and like it seems mm-hmm. like back then it's like oh she's late to school maybe because it's Aragi so of course but it's like oh no they just it's important for this family to always eat breakfast together. So they like try to wake him mm. up to eat with them. It's great. It's and then we and, and then we meet Mamaragi. So this thing 
it's very short that like this whole like dialogue exchange, but there's so and you never much. see her face, and we never you see you never her face see Mamoragi's face. But there's so much to talk about. It's like the the big takeaway here is that line that Mamoragi uses is like we cannot become your family. Like don't she's like don't get comfortable here because this can't be permanent, right? Um, and it, it shows that she's obviously aware that something's wrong with her family, that there's some kind of abuse going on. But she also knows that Hanakawa seems to think that it's okay. And nothing, and she knows that nothing will change until Hanakawa realizes it's not okay. Yeah. And it's also, I like when she said that, it doesn't feel like it's out of like any place of malice or like, like any, like, it doesn't come from a negative uh, perspective. She's like, it's it's like a very mature way of like you're welcome to stay here like you're Aragi's friend that's cool but we're not your family you need to remember that and like that's mm-hmm. like it I like that <laughs> it's very very mature sort of to point that out right yeah yeah and then the next scene and she yeah, also says that after this it, it just like a very important quote that they they go back to she's like. Like she talks about just averting your eyes and running away, right? And that's a, yes, I, she I, that's, does say that. Does a, and that's a very important quote. Such a good quote as well. And it's true. It's true that just because you avert your eyes and try to ignore what is going on, that is not the same as trying to run away from your problems because all you're doing is ignoring your problems. I mean, either way, you're ignoring your problems. But I would say that just averting your eyes to the truth that's right in front of you is probably worse than running away. And to Hanukkah, that quote like goes to not doesn't necessarily mean only her like the the situation with her family, but also with Black Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Which is like yeah. that that dynamic between the two is is also like one of the most important aspects of this arc. Yeah, and then the next scene, like I was gonna say, we get the introduction of of episode and uh, Izuko Gaian. Um, so obviously Hanakawa has past history with episode, judging from the way that she just kind of freezes when she sees him, and she obviously knows him because she addresses him by name. Yeah. Um, and she sort and of talks it, about the fact that like she's scared of him because maybe he tried to kill her or something. <laughs> yeah, and then like, and then obviously, as, as someone having seen it, we know that this is going to be fleshed out in Kizumonogatari later on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, but she definitely has past history. Episode we we learned that episode himself is essentially a freelance vampire hunter um, of sorts, and he, he is six and, years old. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's somehow six years old, even though he looks like an adult. Go figure. Uh, anime logic. Um, and then we also meet, we also, yeah, we also meet Gaian, um, who is, we learn that she is the senpai of both, or not, I say all three of the original Ghostbusters, that being Kaiki, Meme, and Kaganui. So she knows them all pretty intimately. Yeah. Now Gaia is one of the most interesting characters in the show because she's very much the 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 head honcho. She knows, she knows every. She very. She knows everything, and that whole thing of she knows everything. It it goes into how she sort of like because the, this scene is she's just tearing down Hanekawa. You know, like this entire scene mm-hmm. just bringing her down. She's like. Oh, you always talk like Anakawa's catchphrase. I don't know everything. I just know what I know. And she's like, well, you don't know anything, actually. And she's so mean about it. (laughs) I love it. She is. I also like, so in in this exchange, um, 
obviously Gaian already knows about the tiger because of how she's talking to Hanakawa about it without her having said anything to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I also like that Gaian is the one that names this apparition, Kako, which, you know, later on we're, we're led to believe that since she named it, she's trying to tell Hanakawa that she's actually related to Kanbru because Kako, Kanbru, mm. Izuko. Huh, I didn't Kako. actually, I didn't think about that. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um, <laughs> Never thought of that. It was her way. It was her way of telling Hanakawa that she's related to Kanbru. Something's up with Kanbru's family, huh? Yeah. Well, and we also know from a previous exchange that uh, Kanbru's, um, or well, her first name is Sudika. Uh, her first, her her family name used to be Gaian. Hmm. So. Um, and yeah, so Gaian leaves Hanakawa with that that quote, you don't know that you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it stings so hard because it's like she's got this this like persona and this catchphrase, like you said, and it just, it gets right to her. It pierces right through it. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's rough because it, it's like, again, this whole arc just tears down Hanakawa. It's like to like try to like make her face who is she really? Like what's... Mm-hmm. What kind of person is does she want to be? And I, I yeah. love that exchange because, like, Gaian is just presented as a very powerful figure in this, like, universe, right? And this is, like, and, like, the first time we see her, she's just talking to this. Because Hanakawa is, like, the smart, smartest person in the show to some extent so far. And then Gaian is just mm-hmm. tearing her down. It's, it's, it's great. Yeah. I love that scene. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have that realization that every place that Hanakawa keeps sleeping at is is being burned. Mm-hmm. So, like, obviously there's a couple of things on the chopping block now. Uh, Hitagi's place of residence and also the Araragi household. So this kind of, like, ups the stakes a little bit. Yeah, because we realize that that means that, like, there's a possibility that, uh, yeah, Hitagi's place is, in, like, might get burned down as well as Araragi's place. And then we have that that conversation with Hanakawa and the Fire Sisters when they're playing cards together um, where they talk the Fire Sisters talk about the fact that they have boyfriends and Koyomi doesn't like to believe that they actually exist um, <laughs> which he's, is he's literally doing what his mom recently told Hanakawa about he's averting his eyes to the truth because he has a great amount of envy towards these boys now every now and then Nisiru sort of uses Aragi as like a character like sort of for like to comment on weeb culture to some extent right and i like how mm-hmm. that's presented here because like aragi doesn't believe um the fire sisters have boyfriends because they're like to for to him they're pure they're like they're not they don't have boyfriends they're, like they're pure they're not in any relationship so like how some like you know in weeb culture like it's like People like to view like their wife was they like these pure characters who are not in relationships or whatever stuff like that. I, I like or that. Or idol culture too. Or idol culture as well. Yeah, actually, that's yeah, yeah, exactly. It's it's good. <laughs> I like it. And through this, she realizes Hanakawa. That is, she realizes that the feelings that she's feeling that are have brought on the tiger are envy. Yeah, she's envy of like having like a normal family. She's envy of. Hitagi for like having Aragi she yeah very much like Kako is her envy just as much as Black Hanakawa is her is Hanakawa's stress he is her envy and yeah. just taking form in Naprish because she like sort of separated these feelings from herself 
Yeah, for sure. And then the ending of of, the, of episode four of this arc is is really good, where Hanakawa sits down and writes a letter to Black Hanakawa because she knows that she's probably going to come out in the middle of the night while she's sleeping. Mm-hmm. That letter is something else. It's like, so oh. powerful. Like, and I love how they in the next episode, so they sort of visualize that they like they take you on this spiritual journey Hanakawa is having uh, with that. It is. She's like in this letter. She's literally pouring out all that she she she's going on an introspective like internal journey of like her psyche and like what needs to change. Yeah. And like you get that visualized for you, and it's so good. It's visualized in in the form of like uh, like wandering, in the form of war, in the form of <clears throat> in the form of um like being i think there's even one like where she's a stock trader yeah. scientist like she's like she's like she's hitching like she's hitching rides she's like she's like going to different places she's very much having like the spiritual journey to like try and like mm-hmm. to understand herself better understand like yeah very much understand herself because black and Cow is her kako is her as well yeah. it's a part of her and it's such a powerful scene <laughs> so fucking good yeah, it is. That and that that that's how episode five opens up. And then once Black Hanakawa reads that letter, it's almost like Black Hanakawa grows up too. Like that stress realizes that God, I can't stay around anymore because I'm actually hurting her at this point. And, and Hanakawa, I gotta find out a way to yeah. I gotta find out a way to make myself disappear. Uh, yeah, I need to help Hanakawa and to help her. Like Hanakawa is finally, finally confronting uh, Black Hanakawa. She's like, "You're a part of me. Like I can't." I can't cut you off like that. I can't like like think like you like you're a different person. You are a part of me, and she wants to confront that feeling and she wants to confront Kako because it's like I, I love that conversation that they have when Black Ankawa approaches Kako. She's like, "Come yeah. home." It's like I love that yeah. how she's like very like pleading and come back, come home. Be and that part fight, of me. like it's it's not even it's not even that much of a fight so much as it just like two people realize what well, people apparitions realizing that in order for what spawned them to kind of go on they both have to disappear yeah but the difference is one wants to the other one doesn't mm, yeah just think about it think about it in your actual life right mm-hmm. you no one wants to be stressed right yeah. and that's what black hanakawa is a manifestation of mm-hmm but think about how much jealousy and envy are driving forces in a lot of people's lives, whether yeah. for good or for bad. It's and a very like, powerful There's a lot feeling. of people who have used envy to better themselves, and it's worked out really well for them. And how many people want that to just go away? But it's also a very destructive feeling. I mean, and it comes to it, the the show portrays that as that Kako is a fire. Like it's that envy is a fire, a very destructive fire, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that all sort of like pleading him to like, okay, let's stop this. Like, this is gonna hurt more people. And Hanukkah was like, "You're a part of me now, and I'm not gonna, I'm gonna treat you as like you are like better because I want to treat myself better." And she like yeah. asked him to and come th- to her. The difference here, the difference here is that Hanakawa is not using that envy, that jealousy towards any kind of constructive end. Mm-hmm. All it's doing is furthering her own self hatred. Yeah. And then we get to that scene where, like, so Kako is throwing her off the building, and she's like, it seems like all hope is lost, and she doesn't manage to stop Kako. And then, and then he shows up, her knight in shining armor. <laughs> yeah, Koyomi shows up, and he thrusts the um the was it Kotowatari? 
Kokoro Watari? Kokoro Watari, thank you. I always I always mispronounce it. Mm. Shoves it right through uh Kako and just that's drags him over to Hanakawa. The apparition. Yeah. Yeah. And then that that final scene. Yeah, that final scene is like so powerful. So so good. It is. And but but you know what? She needed that. She needed to get rejected so that she could move on. Cuz she was never actually rejected by uh Koyomi. Because she was never willing to face like these feelings that she wasn't either proud of or like like she didn't never accepted that she felt that way wholeheartedly, right? She was never she was never mm-hmm. ready to face that that to face that reality of okay, I need to put this behind me. I need to like face Aragi, and she knew he would reject her. She knew it, but she needed to face him and just outpour these feelings that she had bottled up and to not only bottled up but cut off from her that distress and the envy. It's such a beautiful scene of like I love like this entire section of the episode is so beautiful. First, she sort of consumes Kako like and she, that envy is again a part of her now and then when Aragi pr- approaches her and pets her it's so beautiful and she's like I always wanted someone to do that to me and she's like yeah I love you <laughs> and he's like I-, I love your response like that makes me very happy but I'm sorry there's someone else who loves me and I love back and she's like oh yeah. shit <laughs> I get rejected that's yeah that that scene is really powerful though it's the third time I'm watching this arc and it it's probably the hardest it hit me. Like not to go in too much into like details, but shit, like this is like one of the most relatable characters in Monogatari for me. Um Yeah. And this arc is just like that whole message of like, yeah, it's okay to like accept these flaws that you have because when you accept them, you can be a bit be- you can become better. You can like learn from that, you can overcome these flaws. And it's such a powerful message to a lot of people that like, I, I, I yeah. it really touched me. This like rewatching That's, this arc, you can't. It's sort of a cliche, but you can't change what you don't acknowledge. Yeah, you have to acknowledge yeah. there's a problem before you can face it. Which it's you, a hard lesson for some people to learn, but people need to learn it. Yeah, this this arc is very important to me. This this is like the arc that made Hanukkah like one of my favorite characters. Period. Ever. Like, yeah, it's it's so good. And we're, then we're fifty minutes in. Should we move on to Kabuki? Oh shit! We're fifty minutes in. It's only one arc. Okay, let's let's whew, let's speed run this bitch. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, so Kabuki so, Monogatari. Right, so okay. Kabuki Monogatari. Um, so the OP Happy Bite, uh, sung by Emery Kato, it's great the voice actor for Hachikuchi. It's it's really great. I love the visuals for it. Yeah. It's trippy, just it's weird. very happy. It's very um, light and fluffy, and it, it just it really puts you off guard for what's about to come. Oh, very much so. Uh, to an, Yeah. So and then we have a conversation with a new character, uh, Ogi. Brand new character introduced, Ogi Oshino. Spooky who is Ogi. this character, Natai? I don't know. Who is this character, Alex? <laughs> who is this character that has appeared out of nowhere and, and says they're related to Meme Oshino? We, we don't know, and we won't know for a long time, probably. And now... No, we won't know. And this is one of the great mysteries of, of the Monogatari series, that yeah. if you haven't made it this far in the story, you didn't even know existed. But it's something that was foreshadowed in Baki Monogatari that we we definitely mentioned, and mm. we definitely said, keep your eyes on this, because it's going to come back. Yeah, Ogi is a great character, because she just shows up, shows up out of nowhere, and she's immediately weird 
and I love that conversation whereas she has with Araragi about like these street lights and like uh, like this three second rule about their changing and stuff and how she goes on this entire spiel how they work only for it to be like to talk about how um, it's like yeah so like so green lights represent peace but peace is dangerous because it creates danger because you feel you don't feel alerted or on edge or something like that and yeah peace is dangerous because it creates danger due to complacency yes exactly you become complacent in in peace and like not being in danger yeah so it makes you it makes you put down your guard and it by you putting down your guard means that you're in more danger than you were than if you were actually in danger it's such a Nisioisian conversation because i love how it goes from talking about streetlights to okay what does it mean to being very peaceful times and then like being very nonchalant about things and letting guard down it's it's great it's it's stupid and i love it i love how it goes about like going through that conversation yeah but then we Um, cut to a story about hachikuji that (laughs) aragi remembers also it's worth pointing out that this this story starts the day before um the tiger arc which is what we just finished yeah and like if we remember most of that arc aragi was we don't know where aragi went gone yeah yeah, he was he was off doing something. We don't know what. So yeah, so August twentieth, uh, Aragi is like studying by himself. Oh no, and then he meets Oronokia. Okay, it begins. Wait, wait, wait. How did it begin? Right, Oronokia. You jumped ahead of yourself. Right yeah, there. I jumped ahead of myself. Yeah, Oronoki. So we jumped to Aragi with it, it, like hanging around with Hachikuji's backpack, and he meets mm-hmm. up with Oronoki, and they talk about really weird things like what does it mean to be human or something like that yeah and the fact that Anunoki no no longer says posed look i like how she's like i never said that <laughs> i never i never said that in a post that look. was a dark page in my history <laughs> um, but we also learned that Anunoki was a human once but now she's essentially a a living corpse um which again goes to demonstrate just how weird the sort of quote-unquote magic in monogatari is i love how she's like oh by the way uh um and my master told me not to tell this to anyone so like yeah <laughs> she's like very yeah being very... And if i did tell anyone that she would have to kill them and he's like well why did you tell me this now <laughs> she's like uh okay odonoki thanks <laughs> it's like what the fuck mm-hmm. and then they talk about like that whole like thing about like being alive and what it does mean and it goes to and it leads to the question about like because she talks about she is a corpse so she's not alive but then it's like oh mayoi isn't alive either because she's a ghost or something like that and the thought and neither is koyomi either yeah, because he's a vampire very much yeah and the question comes up well um why is like mayoi still here why is that chikoji still here if she sort of overcame her sort of trauma she came her arc to some yeah. extent right yeah 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 yeah. that's like the singing question like why is she still here mm-hmm. and is I mean, she didn't happy you, didn't you solve her problem yeah is why is she still and is she happy just being a ghost walk wandering around like being lost yeah and it, it kind of harkens on that idea or that question rather like number one the difference between survival and living like mm. so what is the difference between surviving and living right which will kind of come back later in this arc um <clears throat> And also, like, 
is it okay to be happy just surviving and not necessarily living, quote unquote? Yeah. But uh, after going back to what you kind of got ahead of earlier, um, after this scene, we have um, Koyomi back at his house. He's studying, working on his you know, studying, and but he hasn't done any of his summer break homework. And uh, Shinobu kind of appears and berates him for it. And Aradagi just offhandedly says, God, I wish I had a time machine so I could go back in time to one day ago and actually get this stuff done. And and Shinobu just very nonchalantly says, bro, I got you. Yeah, Margatri now has time travel, people. We're, we're doing it. We're yeah, going you there. Know what? <laughs> I've, I've read and, and watched a lot of stories involving vampires. Never once have I ever heard about one of the powers of a vampire being that they could travel through time. Yeah, and I love that it, we we come to like this is how time travel is introduced by our rug is like ah shit I need to do homework <laughs> help yeah um so they so do anyway, it anyway yeah they go to that they go to the shrine that they um that they put that talisman on what was it back, back in, in Bake. what arc was that yeah it was back in Bake. in, in, in Nadako's arc was that, was that not yeah the Nadako arc in 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 Bake. Um, it has a name. I fuck me if I can remember how to pronounce it. I know it has the word snake in it, the Japanese word for snake in it. Um, yeah, so they go back but, there and they do this like sort of ritual and they go back in time and it seemed they went further than just one day. Uh, there are 11 years in the past. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's specifically May 13th, 11 years ago, the day before Mayoi died. Mm. So, so this is where we're going with this arc, huh? Mm-hmm. So then we get episode two, and uh, obviously, having realized what's up, there's this conversation that goes on between uh, Koyomi and Shinobu, where th- th- this is the first conversation they have where Shinobu genuinely seems to not understand, or at least she she acts like she doesn't understand um, how her own powers work. Like, she's she's very, like, uh, maybe, kind of, I don't... Yeah, she's it very should. coy it about it, right, to some extent. Yeah. Um, it's almost like she realizes she fucked up and she doesn't know how to fix it. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, and then they sort of fuck around for a bit because they realize, oh, we can just go back. It'll be fine. So they see some familiar faces. They see child Aragi. And of course, Shinobu is like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> and, and then they meet young Hanakawa and Aragi loses his shit. Yeah, the lowly Hanakawa. I love I loved the fact that when he's essentially molesting her... Um, Shinobu comes out of his shadow and is like, listen, if you get arrested here, it's going to be more than two days before you get out. <laughs> I love that, like, how he's crying uh, tears of blood. Yeah. <laughs> that, that image is so stupid. I love it. Um, it is. But yeah, they're looking for Hachikuji's uh, place, pretty much, to save her. Yeah. I also love how when, when they actually, or when Koyomi asks Hanakawa where uh, that house is, she points out the house and of course, she relates her <clears throat> her catchphrase. I don't know everything. I just know what I know. Um, and then it ends up that she pointed him right to the police station. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think that was also? Yeah, do you think that's how I, 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 I know what you're going to say. I know. Yes, I know what you were going to say. And so there is. It's. I don't think it's ever been established clearly. But the big theory is that the girl he talks to in the police station, who essentially is supposed to be like a rookie police officer, is meant to yeah. be Koyomi's mom. So, like, while watching that, I was like, wait, 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 wait. Is that... Is it? 
Is it not? Mm. Well, I know one reason that people think this is because the voice actor that does the voice for that police officer is the same voice oh, actor that did shit, Mamoragi. Really? Yes. I did not know that. That's pretty fucking cool. Now, obviously, obviously in anime, things happen where people who voice characters will voice other minor characters, too, just because, you know, just to save money. Yeah. But you but wonder. I, that 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 is obviously that is obviously the the theory. And I think I subscribe to it, honestly. I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, they, they find the place, uh, but then they meet, they meet Hajikuchi's dad, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and she's she's uh, he's looking for her. It's like she's have missing. You seen, have you see my daughter around here? She's missing. She she ran away. And and then of course Koyomi goes and and looks for her, finding her coincidentally in the exact same park he first met her at. Yeah, that's and that's I'm immediately cool. reminded of the I'm immediately reminded of the GTA San Andreas meme. Oh shit! shit. Here we go, go again. again. And yeah, so pretty much she follows her, and then he sees her almost getting run over by a truck, and he saves her. Yeah. Saves her life. And then he introduces himself as like, oh yeah, my name is Aragi. And he saves her and it's like, okay, cool. And then they, they go back. They they did their thing. Yeah, they do. They go back to the present and then they get to the present. And what do they find? Everything is fucking annihilated. The world has ended. It's gone to shit. And I, I love that, that cut, how everything is just in ruins. There's like nothing there. You know what? Again, this reminds me of something else. So, have you ever seen uh, Ronald D. Moore's remake of Battlestar Galactica? I haven't, actually. Okay, minor, well, not minors, major spoilers for Battlestar Galactica for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, One of the major key threads of that show is they're looking for the planet Earth. Okay. And uh, there's this point in the end of the second or third season, I can't remember now, where they actually jump to the planet known as Earth. And it's in And it's, 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 it's a happy, joyous occasion. Everyone's like, yes, our fucking long fight and journey is over. And then it immediately cuts to that celebration. Like It's an immediate jump cut from that celebration straight to the surface where everyone's like searching around. It's an irradiated nuclear wasteland. Oh, shit. So this is pretty much what we got here as well. It's like there's that's, nothing. That's exactly here. what it reminded me of, huh. and like that, that that there's so many parallels between that jump cut from the the end of episode three to that that scene in Ronald D. Moore's Battlestar Galactica. But not only is the world over, there are zombies. Only they're not zombies. They're vampires. It's they're masterless vampires. They're masterless vampires, uh, and sort of Aragi and Shinobu were like. Get into the like realize that by like slowly trying to figure out what's what happened, and it seemed that on a certain date, like the world just went to shit uh, on June fourteenth, and then yeah, because they they look at they look at the the papers that they find laying yeah. around, and the the oldest one they can find is from June fourteenth, and then or the right, question the, the yeah, and then, yeah, the oldest one they can, find. and then the question comes up, it's like what happened in June fourteenth? What what and like she always very like. She's very quiet about it, and and Aragi notices that it's because like, she knows. Do you do you know what do you know? Because we've seen what happens on June fourteenth. Yeah, we in, know what happened in, in Monogatari. Do you know what happens? It's the Subasa cat arc from part from Baki Monogatari. That's exactly when it takes place. Pretty much what happened is uh, uh, during that arc, Shinobu disappears. She runs away, and who sort of helps Aragi r- realize like where. Like that, Shinobu is gone, or at least look after, her, look where she is. It was none other than uh, Hachikuji, it seems. 
And that's what yes, I was and like. She wasn't there. Yeah, because he saved her. And that led to a dominoes effect of Aragi getting killed by Black Hanakawa that night. And now we know throughout the series we talked about like the bond between Shinobu and Aragi. Now we know what happens when that mm-hmm. bond is broken. Um Yeah. Shinobu goes full on. We know exactly what happens, and it's not pretty. No, it's not pretty. Shinobu goes full on like vampire goddess, and she destroys everything. And this this goes to what I've always said about the relationship between Shinobu slash Kishot and uh, Koyomi. It's that they're ob- they're obviously more than friends, but they're less than less than lovers. Mm-hmm. They have this symbiotic relationship that one really can't exist in balance without the other. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a very very interesting dynamic, and I love how Shinobu yeah. like tells Araki, "Yeah, on that day when I ran away, I was sort of planning on destroying the world, but it's like, but you stopped me. Yeah, but you stopped me. Like you were looking for like this relationship means something to her. Like she values it. Um, it does. Um, and it's that's, wild. she realizes and she tells Koyomi, like, yeah, this was all me. I I I did this. I fucked up." I fucked up. <laughs> I'm so fucked up. And then she tells him, I think maybe pre- like present kiss shot, the kiss shot that destroyed this, so it's probably committed suicide because she, because of being alone and by herself now that Aragi is dead. And that leads mm-hmm. to the thought that, oh, all these zombies outside are just vampires she created, but because she's dead, they're like masterless. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and obviously, because of this, Shinobu feels an enormous amount of regret for something that she could have done given the right circumstances. I love how um, this arc is like, it's called Mayoi Jiangshi, but this is very much a Shinobu arc. This is very much just into her character and her. Is. And yeah, and her regrets with her actions, how she used to act. And, but it's okay because yeah. now we're celebrating, we have fireworks. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, I, lo- I love their, their theory. So. These zombies, these zombie vampires or whatever you want to call them, um, they only really seem to come out at night. Like, during the day, it seems like you can roam around freely and nothing happens. Um, but they come out, like, at dusk and at night. Mm-hmm. And so, and they seem to be kind of, I, I guess, attracted to sound? I don't know. Uh, the, the way they kind of act seems like they're attracted to sound. So they like, well, like, why don't we throw off some fireworks and see if there's any survivors? Maybe if there's any actual human survivors out there, they'll show up when they see this. They'll see it as some kind of a signal. Yeah. And on the way there. Lo and behold, yeah. zombies show up. <laughs> yeah, zombies show up. And it's then we reach our final episode. They're all surrounded by zombies. It's probably the end of the two. Uh, but. Then there's rice thrown at these zombies, and it's like... Pocket rice! Pocket rice. <laughs> and they all run away, and it's uh, none other than Azolta Chikuchi, a.k.a. one of the best designs in this entire show. Listen, I have one thing to say about the character design for Adult Hachikuchi, and it's this. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good. It's really, really fucking good. <laughs> I love that design. I love that character design so much. It's so good. I love how she's like, like, I mean, not she's like, like the survivor gear. I love her backpack. I love everything about it. It's so good. And the short hair. Oh my god, the short hair. It's great. <gasps> and she's like, oh hey there. And it's like, oh Hachikuchi. And she delivers a Aragiri's letter from none other than Oshino Meme because of Meme course Oshino. Yeah, I love in the letter that he basically spells out everything that they've been able to piece together in their time in this 
present, this like ruined present. This like utter timeline um, they jumped to. Yeah. Um I also like how um this is the way that this time travel is working is a lot like how it's laid out in Back to the Future. Yeah, yeah. Back to the Future where like they go back in time, especially in Back to the Future part 2 where um Biff uses the DeLorean to go back to 1955 and give his younger self the sports almanac so he can make a bunch of bets. Um, and then he becomes rich. And then when uh, Marty and, and Doc and them go back to the future, it's actually an alternate future created by that separate timeline that was created. Yeah. I love, and Osho pretty much spells out, that out for them. It pretty much explains everything to them. And I love like the visuals. It's sort of like CG sort of models they use for Oshino like showing like mm-hmm. being in the wild like looking for a kid's shot because it's like pretty much him and Kaiki and uh, Kagenuya looking for kid's shot to kill her because she's very much alive and it's because of her that everything happened and he's sort of yeah. asking Aragi to like not kill kid's shot but sort of like try and meet save her save her yeah save her um, because She's the answer to everything. The phrase he uses is that he she needs to be stopped, not that she needs to be killed. She needs to be stopped, not defeated. That's what he said. Yeah, and it's, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You see, again with the new with the fucking salties in language, and I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. So yeah, this is their next goal, like just looking for um, kiss shot. Yeah. So they head off, uh, um, Koyomi and. <clears throat> Shinobu head off to actually face her and that that conversation they have where they it, it's almost like they're they're both resigned that like this is probably gonna be it this is yeah, gonna be how it ends for us um and it, it, they the way they talk to each other like they both realize that we gotta save whatever we need to say to each other now because we probably won't have a shot later and I love how they sort of like laugh about it it's like uh, I guess and it's like, I guess I'm, I'm trying to save a girl over saving the world or something like that. And, like, I love the bonding, yeah. like, this, like, this scene between the two of them, like, walking together, just laughing about this absurd situation. Um, because... Yeah. I, I, yeah. I have always, I've always thought of this as, like, Nisio Eason's commentary on, like, you need to realize what's good about life before you die. Like, even if you think right now that your life is shit, there's probably something good in it you need to realize exists. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. I agree with you on that. Shinobu even says that she cannot fathom why her other self, or the kiss shot, would want to try to die. Yeah, I, I love how uh, that scene of like Shinobu confronting kiss shot is so good because it's very much Shinobu confronting her past self, right? Before she mm-hmm. she truly met new Aragi, right? She's like, why would you? Why would you throw your life away like that? And then you yeah. see that image. Why would you do something so like? Why would you do something that has such these these grim ramifications for very short term gain, which is to make yourself feel better because you're feeling sad? And then you see, and, and she's and and like she's mad at Kishot, but she's mad at herself for like not opening and not being close to Koyomi, like when she mm-hmm. compared to how she is now, and. I love yeah. that image of like his shot, like growing up kids shot with like the teary, like blood, like the blood tears, like coming from her eyes. It's it's so good, and it's how it's like both of them like start sort of tearing up. And it's like just blood. Yeah, 
It's very haunting. And she realizes that the Shinobu of Koyomi's timeline that they came from is really, really close uh, to him. Yeah. And she's she thinks, well, uh, the way to get back to this is to offer myself up so you guys can go back to the time that you had. Because, like, that's how powerful it is to her to see how what she could have had, what she could have been yeah. like. She was just like, oh, just you could, like, drain my energy. They'll let you go back to your own timeline and, like, just solve the issues of this world, right? Yeah. And again, that goes back to the nature of regret, too. Like, obviously, Kiss Shot, in her rage, did something that had drastic ramifications for a very short-term game. gain. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because, I mean, she destroyed the world, but at what cost to herself? It's so depressing. <laughs> it's it it's is. rough. It's rough. Yeah, well, I, as Shinobu uses Kiss Shot's power to open up a portal, they actually do jump back to the present. Um, it's, in fact, the same day. Uh, it's October, or excuse me, August 21st. So, um, he, <laughs> Koyomi couldn't even do what he's... What he's started out to do he couldn't go back in time one fucking day nah classic Aragi. yeah um i think it's funny that the first thing he the first thing he realizes is that he's going to be late for the semester opening ceremony which is how the previous arc starts out oh, that's true actually yeah it's it's also the beginning of bucket if i'm correct when he goes up the stairs like oh shit i'm gonna be late or something like that no that's the um that's the ending to neko black oh right okay sorry Correct. You're going back a little too far. Uh, my mind is in shambles. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then, you know, as he's going down the, the the steps to the shrine and he gets back on the on the roadway, um, Mayoi sees him and she's back to being a ghost looking for a backpack. And my, uh, uh, Koyomi doesn't currently have it. And so they're like, all right, well, let's go back to the house so I can get it for you. And that conversation where they're talking about like, you know, the nature of their relationship and what, what they are to each other. She's like, yeah, I'm really happy that I met you, even though I'm dead. Yeah. She's like, she might not be happy that she, like she's a ghost, but she happy that she met him through becoming a ghost. And it's like, ah, that's cute. And then they're running to the sunset. What a, what what, what a fucking happy ending to a very sad story. Yeah. It's, it's so depressing, but I love how, like, that whole theme of regret is just, like, you see that throughout, like, this arc specifically about yeah, Shinobu. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a line that runs throughout, for sure. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, slowly we've been getting more and more about Shinobu in terms of, like, what her character and what she actually feels. And I love how yes. this is a reflection of, this is, like, she gets to literally confront herself. It's, like, how she used to be versus how she is now. After like bonding with Aragi, it's 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 heartwarming. To, like it's depressing, but it's really heartwarming because now you see how close they are together. Yeah, and it it again it comes around full circle to where we started out. Yeah, it's a great arc. It's a great little arc, and we've been talking about these two arcs for a long time now, haven't we? Almost, an, we're coming up on like an hour and twenty minutes now. Yeah. Um, well shit for, for all of you out there when we said we were going to start doing this that said there was no way we could talk about monogatari for 10 plus hours you're fucking wrong 
by the end of this entire project, we'll have how many hours of just us talking about Mario Gotcha? I, uh, well, I will when we when we're done, I will count up all the hours and minutes that we actually spent talking about this. But yeah, Ooh. it's gonna be a lot. I'd be surprised if it's less than ten hours once we get to the end of this. Yeah, that's the beauty of this series. There's so much to talk about. But yeah, there is, there is. But yeah, this is the uh, this is the end of part one of our second season Monogatari spoiler cast. Um, so for the next part, um, I, I think I, I've already mentioned this but we are breaking this into three parts so the next part will be otori monogatari which is nariko medusa and oni monogatari which is shinobu time Mm. both of those are four episode arcs uh, and they definitely set up the end game to the second season hitagi end which we are going to be doing as its own part so yeah uh, watch that if you want to like listen to us next time just to gush about more monogatari for like hopefully less than an hour next time uh, maybe maybe we'll see <laughs> poor john we're sorry no, john no 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 yeah we're sorry john no promises though no promises <laughs> but thank you out there for dropping in to listen to us gush about monogatari again check the description below to find links to anime club after dark on twitch on social media and on discord check out our merch store and our affiliate links as well any purchases you make there do really really help us out with that i have been your host alex and i will see you next time say good night and it's I. I have nothing funny for this one. Good night, everybody.